So if you have your Bible along today, we're going we're gonna, to uh, look at this in a moment. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, this is the promise of Holy Spirit coming. Now, Pentecost, just to back up and give you a little bit of the history and the meaning of the word, Pentecost simply means 50, the number 50. So to put it in calendar terms, it's 50 days past Easter Sunday. So from Easter Sunday until the Sunday of the fire conference, 50 days are going to pass. And, and, and on that 50th day after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that was the day that we're reading about. And it happened right in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. That's why it opens with the phrase that it does. I want you to stand with me and I'll read it out loud for us this morning. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled... All the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. The result is they were all filled can we say that together? They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages that they had never learned. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you this morning. Uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your presence. How do we just ask? As we already prayed, God, fill us anew, fill us afresh. Your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. So, I love that, that that's our opening couple of minutes of the talk today. Somebody in, invited a friend, and you're like, Sean, please don't tell me that you did this message today. <laughs> uh, I got my coworker here, and he's not sure about church in the first place, and now we're 45 seconds into the talk, and you're talking about people speaking in other tongues. That's exactly why he didn't want to come. <laughs> I'm just saying what it is. You know, whenever one of those elephants walks in, it just helps me to go, look, there's an elephant. <laughs> And then we all know that there's an elephant in the room. So we're, we're not going to get too distracted by it today um, because this message is so practical and so relevant and so personal. It doesn't matter if you're in grad school or if you're in high school, if you've known Jesus for a day or if you've known Jesus for most of your lifetime. Uh, the message is for you today because this message is an even though I will game changer for every one of us in this place today. The scripture begs a question for us, though, right off the bat, and I want to put it out there, um, and then we'll come back and we'll unpack it. Why did God, why did God wait 50 days from the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus to send the promise of the Holy Spirit? Why did he do that? Why is there a gap in the story? Why is the Pentecost 50 days later? that they were all gathered in one place, and then they heard the sound like the blowing of the wind, and then we saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, and then we were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we were all, before we knew it, speaking in, literally in the text, speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit was enabling us to do that. Why not 
Jesus died on Friday. He was buried. He went into the depths. He went down into Challenger Deep. We talked about that on Easter weekend. On Saturday, he was raised from the dead by the power of God. On Sunday, why didn't the mission begin on Monday? Why not, why not on Monday or Sunday night or Sunday afternoon the Holy Spirit poured out then? And, you know, and by Sunday night, people were already in the, in the promise of Holy Spirit. And by Monday, it was on, game on, mission on. The, the purpose of Christ coming and dying and going back into heaven. So why the gap and why the wait? I want to talk about that this morning. So I, I think two reasons. Number one, we, we know that Jesus didn't want to, to go back into heaven and send Holy Spirit on Sunday because he wanted to, to prove the resurrection for us. So Jesus just walked around for a while, and it's, it's actually some pretty comical moments in Scripture when he was walking around, talking to people, he hung out with people, he let them touch his scars, he let them see he was real, he let them um, see that it was him. So he appeared to many, many people over the days and the weeks following the res- resurrection, some big crowds of hundreds. Sometimes, you know, he would just walk through a wall into the room. I love that. <laughs> he walked through the wall right into the room where his followers were gathered. Remember that? And, you know, he, he's, he's a pretty funny guy sometimes. And, and so that's one of the reasons Jesus stayed on earth for a little while. But the, the second reason he waited, I believe, it's wrapped up in the, the very coming of the Holy Spirit in the first place. So, and, and we see it, if we, if we backpedal a little bit, and we go to um, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. And it says this. This is after the resurrection. Um, on an occasion, that one of those times that Jesus uh, was with his people while he's eating with them. And uh, that's, that's one of those lunches that you'd want to be at, right? I mean, could you, know, could you pass the hummus? And, you know, by the way, I, I just wanted to remind you guys, this is what he says. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift. Wait for the gift. Can we just say that together this morning? Wait for the gift. Wait here until you receive the gift that I told you about, that the Father has promised. I want to get a a few of these words in our mouths today. Wait is what he's saying. This is Jesus talking. I've already done all the work. But I want you to wait for the gift that my father promised. So he's talking about Holy Spirit, which he says, you've heard me speak about. Jesus taught us most everything we know about Holy Spirit, especially in the Gospel of John. He takes so much time to unpack to his followers, this is Holy, who Holy Spirit is. This is why I'm promising you Holy Spirit. And this is how Holy Spirit is going to work in your life to enable you to do things that you yourself cannot do. We know all of this because Jesus taught us. And then he says in verse 5, For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Classic. All of them, they're at lunch with Jesus, and they totally blow right past what he just says. And then they ask him a question that's a little bit off target. They ask him, Lord, is it the time now for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? So in other words, you know, he said, I want you to wait. You're going to get the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's going to baptize you with fire when he comes. And then they respond, by the way, Jesus, 
Um, when is the end of time going to happen? Because we would like that to get in, uh, in our iCal. We'd like to put it on the calendar and make sure that we know when that is. And then Jesus answers in an amazing way. And this is, this is very relevant for me today. We always kind of want to know the when, right? Like, you know, give me the dates, give me the schedule, give me the blueprint. How is this going to work? Just lay it all out for me. Give me all the plans. Then I'll do it, right? And so how and when is this all going to work out is what they're asking. And Jesus reminds them of the why all over again. And he says, don't you worry about the dates. Don't you worry about that. And this is the way he says it in verse 7. The Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. So in other words, this isn't where we're going to focus our attention. The times and the dates and when, and when is Jesus coming this year or next year, this month or next month, or is it close or is it far away? We're not really going to get super focused on that. He said instead... I want you to focus on this. This is the better part of the news. I promise you guys. I promise you this, he says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. Now, he's talking collectively here, and we're going to do that today. You know, when the, when, the, when the day of Pentecost came in Acts 1, they were all together in one place. They were all together, mobilized, ready, commissioned, and waiting. This was not an individual event. It wasn't, hey, you go and do your thing. You know, you, you go and do your thing. You go your way, and we don't really need each other, and at the right time, Holy Spirit will come on you to help you do your thing. It was, they were all together in one place, and then he's speaking now collectively in the next verse, verse 8. He says, you, collectively, you, all of you sitting here are going to receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you. So it's going to be a collective we, but it's going to be an individual expression. Because when the tongues of fire came in chapter 2, they separated and came to rest on each one, right? So it's a collective we, but I could say if I knew every name in the room today and we had the time, I could go person by person and, and I could say, but it's you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to receive power. And that sparks something inside of me and inside of every one of us today because all of us get ourselves in situations where we need the ability to do what it is that we need to do, right? Where we need to know how we're to overcome what we're trying to overcome. Where we need the power to endure. And even though, even though I want to give up, even though this is really tough. When we need the power to understand what we cannot fully grasp in our own ability. But he said there's another reason why you're going to need the power. And then he spells it out for us. He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be seized with power, and you will be my messengers to Jerusalem. That's right here. So that's going to be easy, because when Holy Spirit comes, you just open up the window and go, Hey, everybody, Jesus is alive. 
that will check the box for that one. But it says not only in Jerusalem, but also throughout Judea and Samaria, the distant provinces, which means you're going to get power for your own home. You're going to get power for the city, for your neighbors and the region that you're in. Neighboring, hello. <laughs> right? And you're going to get the power. He says it right off the bat to cross racial barriers. In Jesus' name, I mean right off the bat, first thing right here. So if you're not interested in, in racial reconciliation and you're not interested in the heartbeat of God for us to value people as created in the image of God, then you're missing the mission of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would say, as a footnote for me and probably for all of us, that we're not really going to cross over into Samaria very well without first receiving power from Holy Spirit. Samaria meant, in this context, and the way they're thinking, half-breed. We don't deal with them. They don't deal with us. They do their thing. We do our thing. They go their way. We go our way. And Jesus is saying, no, there is a way, and it is the gospel way, and it's one of grace, one message, one life, one death, one resurrection for all people, not just for you, but for everybody in this world. And then he just amplifies that in this next phrase, and he says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then he says, to all the ends of the earth. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus is saying, I lived the perfect life, God in human flesh. I died in your place. I suffered all your wrong. I raised from the dead to triumph over sin, death, hell, and the grave. I raised you up by faith out of that same grave, and I'm giving you marching orders here on earth. Here are the marching orders. He says, I want every single person on planet earth to know about my grace and my love. Now, that's a big assignment. You can't do it by yourself, but don't worry because I'm going to give you the power that you need to do it. So I want you to wait here in Jerusalem until you get the power. Don't go to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or that in most parts of the earth until you get the power. In other words, don't go in your house and try to change things until you get the power. Don't get in your family and try to change things without the power. Don't start going out in your neighborhood and around the city and try to change things without the power and certainly don't go across racial lines without the power. Then you're going to have what you need to change your own home, to change your own neighborhood, to change all the racial hatred that there is out there in the world and then go to every single person on planet Earth and let them know that Jesus Christ is the Savior has come to bring life. He's come to bring forgiveness. He's come for our hope and for, for our salvation. It's been won by Jesus. Take the message to every single person on the planet. And so now some days are passing. And now some weeks are passing. And 50 days have passed. And the Holy Spirit comes and pours out the promise that Joel had predicted way back hundreds of years ago in the prophets that Jesus had told about more recently, and that even after the resurrection, he's pointing to once again. And the beauty of it, for me, for our lives, is this. 
Here's the even though from our scripture this morning. Even though I could do it in my own strength, I will wait for power from on high. Even though I could do it in my own strength, I could go forward in my own strength, I'm going to wait from power from on high. And if, if anybody could have said that, it would be Peter and, and some of the, these other followers of Jesus. We were there when they arrested him. We were eyewitnesses. His death, we saw him in his resurrection. We ate with him. We hung out with him. We knew it was him and we got marching orders from him. So we are good to go. We could go in in the power of our own strength. Yet I will wait for power from on high. Isn't this where we all live today? We, we live right in that intersection of, of doing it in our own ability, and in our own power, in our own strength, in our own resource, or pausing in that moment and acknowledging and embracing a supernatural power, a supernatural promise even, that we have the ability to tap into God himself. God, the Holy Spirit, gave access and ability and power to do things that we could not do on our own. Sin, at its heart, convinces us that we can do it by ourselves. But grace in the gospel opens the way for us to embrace God's ability to do what we cannot do on our own today. So how do we get there today? I think a few things. Wait, of course, is is what Jesus is saying. Wait, he says. But I think the waiting here is not so much about a timeline. I think waiting is more about an attitude. You know, so if you're in a business deal right now, for you to say, well, I could do it on my own strength, but I'm going to wait for, for power from on high, it probably doesn't mean that, uh, you know, for you not to show up at work tomorrow. <laughs> it probably doesn't mean, you know, to take the week off and go down to the Bahamas and get on a chase lounge chair with a, you know, a relaxing beverage and, and say, well, you know, I'm just going to go and chill here until I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and you'll get an email probably um, by Tuesday of the next week from your employer letting you know that his new unction is that you um, need to get the unction to get your resume together <laughs> because you'll be looking for a new job. So we're not talking about timeline. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stand here paralyzed and frozen until I get the attention of God to, to do whatever it is that I have to make a decision about right now. That's not what we're talking about. Like, you know, like my kids, they're getting ready for school. Right now, I can't just say, kids, we're just going to pause right here and wait for a little bit until daddy gets the unction. Sometimes we've got to move on through life, right? So it's not necessarily a timeline. You've got to wait, you know, 50 days. There's no, there's no magic time period. But an attitude that says, I am not going to step forward and, you know, without acknowledging a few things and shifting my attitude the way I think about whatever it is I'm about to do. And I think that attitude starts with a comprehension of the greater purpose of God in our lives. It starts with a comprehension about the greater purpose of our lives. Now these guys, I think, were willing to wait because they understood what was at stake. They were the plan. 150 people or so that were up in that room receiving Holy Spirit 
hello, are responsible for you sitting in the building today. That's what was at stake in this moment. And I believe some of that sunk into them and they realized this isn't just a casual come along to Christianity kind of a deal. This is a mass, massive mission and purpose and calling and we cannot go to the ends of the earth unless God is involved by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if there's... Let me ask this. I wonder if there's any purpose in your life today. We're going to be talking about that for the, the next uh, month or so. But this, this is what was happening. He's, he's given, the Holy Spirit has given these guys purpose. That you're in a position where you comprehend what God has put on your life and has caused you to pause in humility and say, I'm not going to go anywhere until you assure me that you're going to give me Holy Spirit power to do what I can't do. And it basically just comes down, I think, to God opening our eyes to what is at stake, to the purpose of our lives. You know that these guys were out for dinner with Jesus after the resurrection. Can you imagine that? Jesus is only on earth for, you know, a, a few weeks after the resurrection. You got to be at one of the lunches with him. I think that's pretty cool. That's a pretty big deal. That would be amazing. You know, where do you want to go? Oh, I don't know where to go. I'm feeling dates today. I've been thinking about dates, you know, all day long. Let's go have dates, you know. Good. Let's wrap it up in some fig leaves and let's have some honey. You know, I mean, let's have some Middle Eastern food. I don't know. what. <laughs> but, but do you see that they're out eating? So when you and your friends are going to dinner, what are you going to talk about at dinner? Well, you're going to talk about a few things, right? You're going to talk about your work. All the guys are going to get down into talking about their work or fishing or golf or hunting or, or hiking or maybe music, you know, if you're, you know, from my group or some combination of those things. Some deal there and some trip that they took, the ladies are going to be talking about, I assume, uh, the wonderful new diet that they just heard about, I don't know, um, the amazing and phenomenal whatever it is and what their kids are doing. And, and here's little Johnny and, you know, talking about Johnny. And we're going to talk about our work and we're going to talk about our weekend, right? And we're going to talk about our food and what we're eating right now and that new restaurant that we went to and, and uh, you know, we're just, we're, what we just made at home or what the project we're working at at home or what we're going to make for dinner tomorrow or what we're um, going to eat sitting around the table at the restaurant. And talk about the fact that we're on the Whole30 diet and we can't eat anything at the restaurant. <laughs> and, um, and we're going to you know, say to the server, can you just serve this without any of this? And can you just not cook it? And just come to think of it, can you just bring me a blank plate and I'll just lick it? Um, you know? And so we, we just, we talk about stuff, right? We talk about our families. We talk about our friends. We talk about the trip that we just took or the one that we're going to take and then we hug each other and say it's so great seeing you all and we take a selfie. And then we're out. It's, it's a normal occurrence and I just challenge all of us today that the next time that you're out with your friends, somebody just ring the bell on the table. You might have to bring that along. It's a, it's a weird thing, but do it. Somebody ring the bell on the table and as soon as purpose is injected into the conversation because of course we, we, we love our families and of course, you know, we love our work but our, but our families are not ultimate. That's not the ultimate reason that we're on earth. Our work is not the ultimate reason that we're on earth. 
The meal that we're eating isn't the ultimate reason that we're on earth. We make it sound like it is sometimes, but it's not. Our friends are not the ultimate thing. The trip that we just took is not the ultimate thing. The house that we're building right now is not the ultimate thing. The degree program is not the ultimate thing. The new job that we're working is not the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing is we're alive from the dead by the power of Jesus and we're commissioned to take the story of the grace and the love of God to every living person on the planet. We have access to God to be agents of the kingdom and to change things on earth, right? And so unless purpose somewhere is in your story, then I wonder, the question comes up then, do we really even need the Holy Spirit to come on us in power if it's not in the conversation? And the answer is yes, we do. Yes, we do. I can't be the kind of person that God wants me to be without Holy Spirit. But I certainly can't get on board with the thing that God is doing and wants to do in my life without Holy Spirit. Unless I have a comprehension of what that is, I am clueless and most likely powerless in the world. Paul had the, the listen to this, Paul had the, the right family, the, the right education, the background experience, he had it all. But when he met Christ, he said something interesting about all of that. This is what he said, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Let's take a look at the way he says this. He says, for we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and the freedom of Holy Spirit. That's how we're activating our relationship with God. Not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. Now, that did not mean for Paul that he did not have the right education, that he couldn't go into certain settings and go into synagogue and teach. He could, because he had all that background and he had all that history. He was a Jew of the Jews. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he uh, put him with the religious leaders, put him with the Pharisees, put him uh, with the Sadducees, put him with the teachers of the law. He could stand on his own, and he did. Take him to Athens and, and put him with the greatest thinkers of the day. He could stand on his own two feet, and he did. But what he was saying is even though I have all the credentials and all of the experience and all the background and all of the ability, my confidence is not in me. My confidence is not in my own strength. My confidence is in Holy Spirit because my mission isn't just to be the smartest guy in the room or to show somebody how much I know, or to show somebody how much experience I have. My mission is to see God change the hearts of men from death to life. Open up eyes blinded by the dark, supernaturally powerful things that cannot be done by any human being. That's my mission. And so he said, I put no confidence in what I can accomplish in my own strength. And I tell you, for me, I'll prepare a talk I'll, I'll, I'll work hard over what I'm doing. I'll try to hone my craft. I'll try to be ready to serve. But I don't walk up on this stage. I try not to walk up on this stage in the moment without praying to God Almighty and asking him, you know, would you please, Holy Spirit, speak through me and do through me what I can't do. 
I don't come here and say, I mean, I'm just going to stand up here unprepared and wait until I feel the unction. And once I feel that, then we'll kind of shift gears and something will happen. Why? Because I'm called to be accountable. I'm called to do a good job. I'm called to take seriously my role as a pastor and I'm called to be equipped. So I have a background and I have an education and I, and I have, you know, that learning. <laughs> I have experience over the years and I work really hard at it, but I put no confidence in that. I put all my confidence in Christ and Holy Spirit to do what only he can do because the mission is big and what's at stake is large. Second shift of attitude, I believe, is humility. Because I believe humility is necessary for Holy Spirit power to be at work. I believe the enemy of the Holy Spirit is pride. Because pride basically is just saying to God, I got this. I got this. And Holy Spirit will say to pride, okay. But, but, but humility says, I want to abandon confidence in self. And I want to embrace the possibility of Holy Spirit of God. I want to abandon the flesh and embrace the flame. I want to empty myself of self. And I want to ask you to completely and totally fill me. And when that happens, it sounds like a mighty wind and it, and it seems like tongues of fire. And all of a sudden, people are doing, enabled by Holy Spirit, things that they've never done before. And I'll tell you why I think God waited until 50 days. Main reason was because of the promise. And he helped us understand the reason for the Spirit and the fact that Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. Now, for, for us, we've got to We've got to get ourselves into a Jewish mindset. There were three festivals. And in the Jewish mind, where the, where the Jew would make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So three times a year, whether you're out in Asia, which is uh, now Iraq and Iran, or whether you're up in the, the Asia minor, minor worlds, Turkey and Greece, or whether you're down in Africa, Libya, down there in Egypt, wherever you were in the, the known ancient world, three times a year, if you're a Jew, you would pilgrimage, you'd make the trip. You'd make the trek to Jerusalem. And one of those times was Passover. So a lot of the Jews would have just been in Jerusalem for Passover. But another one of those three is called the Festival of Weeks, also known as the Festival of Harvest or the First Fruits. And going all the way back to Old Testament days, a Jew would pilgrimage again to Jerusalem. So on the 50th day, hello, on the 50th day, Jews from all over the known world were there in Jerusalem, the whole known world. They were gathered there in Jerusalem. So when Holy Spirit came on those believers and they immediately started speaking in other languages, it was like Rosetta Stone on steroids. I mean, people are like, boom, hello, I'm Espanol, hello. I'm speaking in this language and in that language and in another language. That's what was happening. Why did that matter? Because God had already gathered, because of the festival season, all the existing world in the city of Jerusalem. So when they came out the door speaking all these different languages, immediately the promise that we read in Acts chapter 1 was fulfilled. 
Jerusalem got it. Judea got it. Samaria got it. And the ends of the earth got it. All in day one. You see that? God exponentially ramped up the promise and fulfilled it on the very first day. How amazing is that? So they were, sitting, they were sitting around and going, well, today we're in Jerusalem, but one day we're going to go to the ends of the earth. And he's like, no, I already brought the ends of the earth to you. That's why I waited till Pentecost to pour out Holy Spirit. And amazingly, man, God has brought the whole world to us, hasn't he? God has brought the whole world to us. This, this whole mindset that we used to have to have growing up, which is if you wanted to take the gospel to the people of the world, you have to go out to the people of the world. And all of a sudden, you know, you start looking around and you realize that God's brought all the people of the world to this city that we live in. And all you have to do is go visit Mount Rushmore, right? Or for some of us, four cubicles down at the place we work. For the power of the Holy Spirit of God to take the story of Jesus to the whole world. When I was a youth pastor, I thought it was a revolutionary idea at the time. We took our youth group on a missions trip to the World Wide Web. <laughs> and we spent two weeks spreading the gospel through social media. Now, here's the thing. Some of us are going to leave Rapid City. And some of us you know, are going to go to the missions meeting after second service. We're going to jettison from this life as we know it. And, we're, and, and some of us are, are going to actually physically move out and go to the ends of the earth. But you don't have to have that mindset to live in this promise. You just have to have a humility that says, I understand that there is no plan B. The church, hear this this morning, is God's plan A. And I'm a part of that plan. You're a part of that plan. And I want to humble myself, God, so that in my profession, in my education, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my friendships and the meals that we're sharing, that at some point in the meal, like the meal that Jesus was having, Acts chapter 1, the conversation shifts to more important things, right? And purpose arises in our life. A purpose big enough that makes us humble in our heart and receptive to the possibility of Holy Spirit using us. I've been captivated by this text in 2 Kings 13. Elisha, the, the prophet, is at the end of his life. The same life that we talked about a few weeks ago, surrounded by Dothan, if you remember that, by the, the, surrounded by the armies of Aram. The same Elijah whose servant said, I went out in the morning and there was that great force of the Aramean army surrounding us. And what did Elijah pray? He prayed, open his eyes so that he may see those that are with us are more than those that are with them. 
But look at how the story plays out now. Elijah's at the end of his life. He's going to die in verse 20. But the king, Joash, comes to him at his deathbed to bless him. But Elisha turns the tables and says to the king, I want to bless you at my death. So the same Arameans from a few chapters back are still in the story. Lots of different kings have changed by now, but the Arameans are still in the story. And so Elijah says something interesting to him at the end of this. Verse 15, he says, take a bow and take some arrows. Key word, you've got to underscore that there are some arrows. They don't know how many, five, six, seven, eight, nine arrows. So he took a bow and arrows, and then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow, and he drew it. That's the sign, I believe, of what we're talking about today. And he said, get a bow and get some arrows. And the king got the bow, and he got some arrows. And when he got the bow and the arrows, Elijah laid his hands on the king's hands. That's the even though moment here in this story. Even though I could do this in my own strength, I'm going to wait from power from on high in this moment. There's a God factor that's available in this equation, okay? And so he puts his hands on him, Elisha does, and he said, open the windows eastward. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot, and he shot. And then Elijah speaking now, he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, and he's speaking of the Arameans there, that's, that's who he's talking about, for you shall fight the Syrians, or the Arameans in Aphek, until you've made an end of them. In other words, you are going to completely destroy the Arameans. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times, and he stopped. <clears throat> then the man of God was angry with him, and he said, you should have struck five or six times. And then you would have struck down Syria until you've made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. So it's an interesting story, right? Maybe, maybe he's looking at the bunch of arrows and he's trying to say, I don't know how many you had in there, but you should have kept going. And then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed them, but now you only defeat them three times. So Elisha... He died and he was buried. What an interesting end, right? With King Joash there, with the man of God standing right beside him. How, how does this tie into Acts chapter 2? I think, for me, it speaks to the fact that I want to trust God. I want to believe God and I want to pray for the supernatural strength and the power of Holy Spirit of God to be in my life. But I want to keep three or four arrows in my quiver that I can use in my own strength just in case God doesn't show up. It's a faith that the enemy is completely content with. Satan would even park your car for you at Destiny Foursquare Church today. And he would escort you into the front door and he would help you find a seat and stand along beside you. And he would, he would sit in the worship service and say, isn't this great? Isn't this amazing? Isn't this atmosphere phenomenal? Don't you love that song? 
and then just escort you right back out those doors here this morning today and applaud the fact that you got here as long as you keep a bunch of plans, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, in your back pocket. And in your heart, you never say, Jesus has shot an arrow called victory of the Lord, and he intends to give me victory over everything in my life. And therefore, it is possible for me to say, I'm going to take all of my ability, all of my everything that I was counting on, everything that's in my strength, all my best laid plans, and I'm going to shoot my arrows into the ground and say, I've got no more arrows. If you don't come through, God, we're sunk. <laughs> right here, right now, God, if you don't come through, it's not going to work. And if you think, well, that's crazy, and that doesn't sound like the Lord, you've got to understand, that doesn't mean to tear up your master's degree certificate and throw it out of the window and say, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. The king went out, the Armameans he went out to face them the next day. And he went and he got, his, he got his bow back and he got some different arrows and he went out and fought the Arameans. Did what he was trained to do in his own strength. But he only defeated them three times. And not ultimately at Aphek. The same reason why I say God has promised to you the victory today and you may have had a little victory here and there but you haven't got all of what he's promised you because you weren't willing to say even though I could do it in my own strength I will wait for power from on high I'm going to empty myself and I'm going to trust fully in the filling power of the Holy Spirit of God to do in me what only he can do and that's true for all of us in our endeavors today but most certainly whether or not Destiny Foursquare Church is going to be a game-changing church in the city of Rapid City, in Eagle Butte, in Somerset. I went, I went to Denver this weekend with a church planner that's getting ready to plant in partnership with us a church in Somerset. Amen. But we need to do it in the power of Holy Spirit. And whether we're going to be in God's story to make sure every person on this planet hears the gospel, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think whenever we get into this zone, you know, people all of a sudden are feeling, well, I don't know. Are, are you saying, uh, Pastor Sean, that, you know, we're celebrating Pentecost Day at the Fire Conference? Are we a Pentecostal church or are we a charismatic church? Well, if by that you mean we're going to abandon the flesh and embrace Holy Spirit to empower us to carry the name and the story of Jesus to everybody alive, absolutely. We are that. I, I will take a lap around the building this morning and get all Pentecostal. <laughs> take out my hanky and say, shout! <laughs> We're going to be that. There's no other way to do what God has called us to do. There's no other way. Somebody says, well, I don't want to be a part of, you know, you know something that's 
That's crazy. Well, can I just say this to you? I've read a bunch, I've read Acts a bunch of times. I think it's Christine Kane who says it this way. Holy Spirit doesn't come to make us super weird. He came to give us supernatural power. So the goal isn't that you would turn into someone super weird. The goal is that you would be a super you. How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do that, Holy Spirit? How do you change, Holy Spirit? How are you managing to lead like that, walk like that, talk like that, act like that? Holy Spirit's doing that because you know it's not me. I know it's not you. <laughs> it isn't me. It's Christ in me. But that is activated by the very Spirit of God that rests in me. And I'm abandoning the flesh and I'm embracing the flame. I'm putting no confidence in the flesh today, even though I've got to go to work. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to exercise my gift. My confidence ultimately is in something far greater. Now, they thought these guys were a little bit weird, but most people didn't. If you look at this scripture and this story, most people thought that they were supernatural. A few people said, those guys, they're super weird. <laughs> and immediately, you can go and read it. After verse 4, it says, Now... At that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had emigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city uh, heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what had happened because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? And they were amazed. And they said, what are we going to make of this? What is going on? That's what the city is waiting for. It's waiting for you and me to start speaking their language. Supernaturally, by the power of Holy Spirit. Not turn into super weird, but turn into supernatural. Seeing God do things that don't have an explanation apart from the fact that God got involved. Seeing us change in ways that we haven't changed before because Holy Spirit got a hold of us. Now, there were a few people on the edge that were making fun, but not many. A few people did, and a few people are going to make fun of you, and a few people are going to make fun of me when I start living out the power of Christ through Holy Spirit. But it says, but not many. A few people said, verse 13, these people had a little bit too much to drink, is what they were saying. They even said, look at them, this is... Listen to them talk. They're, they are loaded. <laughs> and then Peter stood up. It's amazing to me. He's with the eleven. It says he stood up and Holy Spirit filled the place where they were sitting. And now, empowered by him, they stood up. And our city is waiting for a church that's sitting down to stand up in the power of the Spirit of God. And this is what happens. Peter stood up and said, these people are not drunk. Like you think they are. For it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 
They're not super weird, and I know it looks super weird. We got a little pushback from that joker that's over there. But everybody else in the crowd was going, wow, what is happening here? What is going on? And Peter said, no, they're not drunk. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. For God says, this is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will, start, I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles in the earth below. And Peter said, this is what is happening here today. Look at it. And then he preached the gospel and it cut people to the core. The power of the Holy Spirit. This Peter who cowered by a fire and a slave girl just a few weeks ago, 50 days ago, if you want to count them, was terrified by a slave girl. Now he's standing in a crowd of people proclaiming the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it cuts to the hearts of people and 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus and were baptized that very day. <laughs> the church goes from 150 people to 3,150 people on one day because of the exponential power of even though I could have done it in my own strength and maybe we could have, I don't know, 308 by now. We have a... We had a 20-day revival, but no, in one sermon, 3,000 people got baptized because of the power, the difference. Even though I could do it in my own strength, I will wait for power from on high. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Jesus. The Spirit came. The gospel was preached. People were saved. And the church was born all in one day. Even though I will. So what about you? How does this become personal today? What is it that you cannot do in your own strength? right now what is it that you're struggling through because it's all about you trying to grind it out today there's a promise of God at the table and he's saying abandon your flesh Embrace the flame of Holy Spirit. And you don't have to turn super weird, but you can be a super you, supernatural you. There's so many times I've, I've prayed for students to, to be filled and empowered with the gift of Holy Spirit over the years and there's so many promises that come with the filling of the Holy Spirit. He gives me words to speak. He heals me. He opens doors that I can't open. He does the miraculous. He does things that people that I cannot do in my own strength. 
He can give you words of wisdom, words of knowledge, to speak to the very core of somebody's root of bitterness that's in your life and you had no idea but Holy Spirit spoke the truth into your ears. So we could try to do this thing, try to do this Christian walk in our own strength. But why not ask Holy Spirit who Jesus said to wait for? He said, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go to Rapid City. I want you to go to your neighborhood. I want you to to go to the ends of the earth. But he said, wait, don't do it until you're full of the Holy Spirit. three in one. So it's such a mystery. We talk a lot of times about Father and Son, but Holy Spirit, don't let us forget you. I want to move in your power and walk in your power every single day. Because I could walk out the door this afternoon in my own strength and do things my own way. Or I could do things supernaturally. led and purposed and given power by you, Holy Spirit. I could sit at the table and talk about the stuff, or I could allow you to enter the conversation. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, be a part of my life of my everyday life and my comings and my goings. And would you just pray this prayer with me this morning again? Would you outstretch your hands? If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, all it is is a simple asking. And there's gifts that come with it. There's, there's many gifts. There's gifts that accompany it. Um, speaking in tongues is one we talked about this morning. But there's, there's a long list of things that Holy Spirit can do in and through if we would just open up our hearts and ask him to move in us and do what we cannot do. So even if you've never asked him before, let's do it this morning. Holy Spirit, come and fill us and move on us in your power and do what only you can do. An elevated generation. Wake up a church to move in the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, compel us to do what only you can do. Be our mouth this morning. God, pray through us in a language that's not our own, that's a perfect language, a heavenly language. God, fill us and move our hearts God, to go beyond church walls, to love our neighbors, to change a city, to change a region, to turn a country back to you. God, to affect the whole planet, because that's what you do. You came to be a rescue. 
So Holy Spirit, fill us, give us your power this morning in your mighty name. Now with nobody looking around, there might be somebody here this morning you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, the son of our heavenly father, the perfect son who came, who died, who rose, who played games with the apostles before, after he resurrected. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your savior. He wants to give you freedom, a new life. If that's you this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just raise your hands? I just want to pray with you this morning. Don't want to embarrass anybody. This is a free gift of salvation, eternal life. All right. Father God, we just thank you for this day. God, send us in your purpose and in your power. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Even though.